This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Monday, February 21st, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, hundreds of birds dropped from the sky in northern Mexico. Why it happened, and two brothers in India who heal birds who have suffered a similar fate. Plus, wrestler, poet, mattress king, the semi-true extracurriculars of Abraham Lincoln, and some recommendations for Brad Neely Appreciation Day. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. So you might have seen the video last week or over the weekend of hundreds of yellow-headed blackbirds dropping from the sky in northern Mexico. And if you haven't seen the video clip yet and you are okay with the chill and sadness that the graphic imagery brings, I do kind of recommend watching it because I did not accurately grasp just how many birds fell from the sky from just reading the headlines. It wasn't until I watched the video that I was properly gobsmacked. Most of them get back up and fly away, but tragically, some of them do not. And it's completely sudden. The video is from security camera footage, and it's like a huge swarm of them suddenly appear and drop down from the sky all at once, as if released from an invisible net. Honestly, even Alfred Hitchcock didn't achieve a visual this enormous and horrifying. All the major news outlets have looked into it and say that the footage is not altered or fake. Local reports corroborate the incident, but tons of different rumors, ranging from the reasonable to the conspiratorial, have emerged. Was it caused by pollution? 5G? Some kind of stunt? What were those birds-aren't-real kids doing last week? Jordan Peele even seemed to imply that it could be a real-world analog for some part of the plot of his upcoming movie. On Friday, he tweeted a Today Show clip of the incident along with the hashtag for the movie, nope, which incidentally is also how I feel about the whole situation. And while a video showing this many birds in such a dense concentration falling at once seems slightly uncommon, the phenomenon of several birds dropping from the sky all at once is not. I remember at least one such case happening around the same time that that TV series Flash Forward, based on the novel by Robert J. Sawyer, was airing, the plot of which included a whole flock of crows dying at once. It was kind of weird. And as eerie as it may seem, maybe especially because it is occasionally portrayed in sci-fi and horror, it does sadly happen fairly often. In this case, The Guardian spoke to a number of experts who say that this latest incident was almost certainly caused by a predatory bird. Dr. Richard Broughton, an ecologist with the UK Center for Ecology and Hydrology, told The Guardian, quote, This looks like a raptor, like a peregrine or hawk has been chasing a flock, like they do with murmurating starlings. And they have crashed as the flock was forced low. You can see that they act like a wave at the beginning, as if they're being flushed from above. 
end quote. Dr. Alexander Lees, a senior lecturer in conservation biology at Manchester Metropolitan University, agreed with that assessment and also added, quote, there always seems to be a knee-jerk response to blame environmental pollutants, but collisions with infrastructure are very common. In a tightly packed flock, the birds are following the movements of the bird in front rather than actually interpreting their wider surroundings, so it isn't unexpected that such events happen occasionally. End quote. Collisions with infrastructure is also the cause of individual bird deaths, a lot of individual bird deaths. According to NPR's All Things Considered in an interview last year with scientists working to reduce bird building collisions, they say that hundreds of millions of birds die every year from colliding with buildings. And the situation is particularly bad in the Indian capital of Delhi, where birds routinely crash into buildings they can't see through the smog of the city, or more uniquely to the region, get injured by kite strings coated in crushed glass. That is a whole other issue I was previously unaware of. Apparently, flying kites is so popular and so competitive in India and Pakistan that many kite strings are covered in metal or crushed glass so that they can cut the strings of rival kites. These metal and glass kite strings can be a danger to children, cyclists, and the coincidentally named black kite birds. Those birds are the subject of a new documentary from director Shonak Shen. All That Breathes recently screened at Sundance, where it won the World Cinema Documentary Competition. And while I haven't managed to see it yet, I have been reading excellent reviews. All That Breathes focuses on two brothers, Mohammed Saad and Nadim Shazad, who rescue and care for injured kites, as in the bird, which IndieWire describes as being as common in Delhi as pigeons in New York City. According to the BBC, the brothers began nursing injured kites back to life as teenagers after they brought one they'd rescued to a local bird hospital and the staff refused to treat it because it was a non-vegetarian bird. Applying their knowledge of muscles and tendons from their fledgling bodybuilding career, the two quickly found a new passion in healing the birds, saying at one point in the film, quote, You don't care for things because they share the same country, religion, or politics. Life is kinship. We're all a community of air, end quote. Director Shen is explicit about the movie's ties to pollution and the climate crisis, telling the BBC that part of his inspiration came from the visual texture of his hometown of Delhi, quote, The hazy sky where the sun is a diffused blot, the all-encompassing grayness, the constant breathing of noxious air. End quote. The film seems to be a profound and moving rumination about the world and humans isolating an invasive place in it. All That Breathes is still looking for international distribution, so I don't know when we might get to see it, but I will say it was really nice to learn about two brothers who care so much about healing fallen birds after being bombarded with clips of the flock of birds dropping from the sky in Mexico. Hopefully, there were some good Samaritans on the ground there, too, to help out all of those injured blackbirds. Today is President's Day in the U.S., a kind of odd little holiday to honor the office of the president. 
Throughout our country's history, some states or the federal government have recognized holidays celebrating George Washington's birthday and or Abraham Lincoln's birthday, both of which fell in February. So in the mid through late 20th century, there were pushes to essentially combine the two into one holiday because there is nothing more American than reducing the number of holidays people get to take off work. In any case, I figured there was no better time to share with you a couple of lesser-known facts about President Abraham Lincoln. So Lincoln is most well-known, of course, for being the president who signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which legally, though not necessarily in practice, freed over 3.5 million enslaved people in the United States. He's also well-known for having been assassinated while watching a play at Ford's Theater, and for generally being thoughtful, extraordinarily tall for the time and pretty depressed. He was also a talented wrestler. So talented, in fact, at least for a 19th century president, that he was inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame in 1992. Quoting the Hall of Fame, Abraham Lincoln was the wrestling champion of his county as early as 1830 at the age of 21. Lincoln was an impressive physical specimen, thin but wiry and muscular, strengthened by hard work in the fields and towering to a mighty six feet four inches in height. It was about this time that Lincoln had his celebrated bout with Jack Armstrong, the local tough and county wrestling champion. Lincoln was keeping the store at New Salem, Illinois, when his boss backed him to out-wrestle the feared Armstrong. From the start, Lincoln proceeded to hand out a thrashing to the local champion. Frustrated by Lincoln's enormous reach, Armstrong started fouling his opponent. Lincoln stood it for a while, but eventually lost his temper. Picking up his opponent, the storekeeper dashed him to the ground and knocked him out. Armstrong recovered in time to keep his cronies from starting a free-for-all. End quote. I should note, however, that the use of the word champion here is an informal one. According to the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Foundation, county wrestling championships didn't exist in Illinois in the 1830s. The details of this famed match against Jack Armstrong also differ depending on which history you read, but it was far from Lincoln's only match. There's a record from Lincoln himself which he shared on the campaign trail recounting a particularly notable loss of his. Rumors abound about Lincoln being some kind of WWE-style champion wrestler, which isn't true. But he was a wrestler, and by all accounts, a darn good one, too. He's also not the only U.S. president in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. They have also inducted George Washington, William Howard Taft, and, of course, Teddy Roosevelt. Wrestling wasn't Lincoln's only hobby. He was an avid reader from a young age and even wrote his own poetry. When I visited the Lincoln Memorial for the first time when I was 15, I picked up a slim hardcover of his poetry in the gift shop. And according to the book published by Applewood Books back in 1991, Lincoln only ever wrote three poems in his life, all included in the book, although there are a handful of others occasionally attributed to him. Quoting the book's introduction, In 1844, while campaigning for Henry Clay, Lincoln returned to Indiana, where he was raised and his mother and sister were buried. There, after being gone 15 years, the place and the people aroused memories of his childhood that prompted him to write the poems. End quote. All three poems tackle life and death and the pain of living in their own ways. Here's an excerpt from one of them, the kind of lightest of the three, titled, My Childhood's Home. 
My childhood's home I see again and sadden with the view, and still as memory crowds my brain, there's pleasure in it too. O oh, memory, thou midway world twixt earth and paradise, where things decayed and loved ones lost in dreamy shadows rise, and freed from all that's earthly vile, seem hallowed, pure, and bright, like scenes in some enchanted isle all bathed in liquid light. Where many were, but few remain of old familiar things, but seeing them to mind again the lost and absent brings. The friends I left the parting day, how changed as time has sped, young childhood grown, strong manhood gray, and half of all are dead. I hear the loved survivors tell how naught from death could save till every sound appears a knell and every spot a grave. I range the fields with pensive tread and pace the hollow rooms and feel, companion of the dead, I'm living in the tombs. Lincoln's life was a tragic one. He lost his mother at nine years old, and as a young man, lost his older sister who had essentially raised him, and then lost two of his four sons when they were small children. One excellent portrayal of Lincoln's grief is in George Saunders' 2017 novel Lincoln and the Bardo, which takes place during and after Lincoln's son Willie's death at age 11. It's an experimental novel set in a sort of purgatory inspired by several different cultural traditions. But on a lighter note, McSweeney's published a piece today from the perspective of Lincoln on his deathbed titled, I'm Abraham Lincoln, and I beg of you, please commemorate my birthday with mattress sales. It is the perfect read for today. There's a link to that and to Lincoln's book of poetry in the show notes. Well, as it is President's Day here in the U.S., I think it's only appropriate to dedicate a segment to one of our country's all-time greatest patriots, Brad Neely, creator of the preeminent 2009 viral hit, George Washington. If you haven't watched it before, it's a simply animated video about George Washington with an accompanying rap that makes Washington seem like a larger-than-life god who did such things as eating opponents' brains and inventing cocaine. If you queue it up, just make sure you're somewhere where you can listen to and watch some vulgarity. Here's a brief listen to one of the few parts that I can actually include on this show. Threw a knife into heaven and could kill with a stare He made love like an eagle falling out of the sky Killed his sensei in a duel and, and he, he never, never said why Washington, Washington, twelve stories high made of radiation The present beware, the future beware He's coming, he's coming, he's coming it's got a great beat, but you've really got to watch the animations to fully do its brilliance justice. After the release of the Hamilton musical on Disney Plus in 2020, Matt Patches over at Polygon made the case that the George Washington video is on par with Hamilton, and that Lin-Manuel Miranda may have even been inspired by it. Quoting Patches, Miranda has never admitted that the web video was inspiration for his musical, but really, it's hard to imagine anyone coming up with how does a ragtag volunteer army in need of a shower somehow defeat a global superpower without having heard George Washington described as having made love like an eagle falling out of the sky, killed his sensei in a duel, and never said why. End quote. Pretty sound reasoning. 
And like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Brad Neely, writer and animator of the Washington video, is quite prolific. In addition to his biggest viral hit, he also created a whole series of animated songs called America Now, and gave John F. Kennedy the same George Washington treatment. Besides that, he created a few other online animated series over the years before finding a string of short-lived successes on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. His show, Brad Neely's Hargnollin Sclopio Pipio, featured the voices of Ilana Glazer, Daryl Hammond, and Gabrae Sidibe, in addition to guest stars that included Lizzo and Andre 3000. It's a quick-cutting fever dream of weird, occasionally gross-out comedy. His sense of humor might not quite be for everyone, but there is no denying that he is a bizarre idea machine and has a way with words that I say without a hint of irony— could rival Lin-Manuel Miranda's. If you want to dive into one of his longer works, a lot of his animations hover around the 30-second mark, you can listen to his alternate audio track for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. In it, Neely dubs over the entire movie, voicing all of the characters himself, renaming most of them, and spinning out into a completely different and surreal narrative. It's been a cult classic online since it debuted in 2003, and really, it's the only good way to engage with Harry Potter these days. There's a lot to enjoy from Neely, so if you haven't checked out his stuff before, I definitely recommend it. There are some links in the show notes. I will just say one more thing. Neely's George Washington video is super fun, in part because it makes Washington seem like this badass mythological figure, and in 2009 fashion, leaves out the fact that Washington was a slave owner, with a far from pristine record beyond that. If you're interested in a more nuanced look at George Washington, I recommend checking out Alexis Coe's biography of the president, You Never Forget Your First, which intentionally busts some of the prevailing myths around the U.S.'s first president. Alright, so I gotta share just one more U.S. president-related thing before I go. This is one of my favorite weird facts because it combines my love for U.S. history, Christmas history, and the enduring naivete of American optimism. So, the band She and Him, the folk duo consisting of Matthew Ward and Zoe Deschanel, they put out a holiday album in 2016 called Christmas Party, and on it they included a cover of the 1960s classic Must Be Santa. In a nod to Bob Dylan's 2009 polka-style cover of the same song, they included a listing of U.S. presidents mixed up with the names of Santa's reindeer towards the end of the song. Only she and him wanted to update it for 2016. So here's their version. Yeah, it turns out that even though the song was released in December of 2016, they had recorded it over the summer, before we had election results, and they were apparently just so certain that Trump wouldn't win or were willing it to be so. I don't know. Notably, even though Bob Dylan's version came out when President Obama had been in office for 11 months, he stops his president list in the song at Bill Clinton. 
Anyways, there's your Christmas in February fact of the day. And if for some bizarre reason you can't get enough of U.S. presidential lore today, two more recommendations. First, part of why I went down a Brad Neely rabbit hole this morning is because I'm hosting a pub quiz tonight and wanted to make a President's Day-themed playlist, which I thought I would share with all of you in the show notes. It is mostly protest songs, but what is more American than the art of protest? And second, one of my favorite podcast series, Presidential. Produced by The Washington Post and hosted by Lillian Cunningham, the show devoted one 45-minute episode to each U.S. president. And especially for some of those presidents we don't hear about as much, I really learned a ton that I'd never known before. And Cunningham is a great host, interviewing different experts and writers each step of the way. The series ended six years ago, so there is indeed one episode for each president including addendums for the two most recent ones, so you can jump around to your heart's content. Links to all of that is in the show notes, but that is it from me for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.